Welcome to Red's Eye Alert. I am your host, Preston Stober, alongside my co-host, Alex Frank, and we are back with another edition of Red's Eye Alert. We come to you guys after a little bit of a break from our pilot episode, some Easter time there. Um, been pretty busy with classes, but we are ready to really get into the heart of the season now. Um, yeah. A very exciting start to the season. Getting into a little bit of a lull, but Alex, why don't you go talk about the beginning of the season? No, oh, well, that was... Uh... It's kind of interesting we haven't done the show since the before opening day and you mentioned the start of the season on Easter Sunday. Not only were we not only were we celebrating that, but we were also celebrating beating the Cardinals 2 out of 3. Mm-hmm. And what better way to start the season than beating your arch nemesis 2 times out of 3? Barry Larkin, the Reds TV color analyst for the home game said it best. That was a tone-setting series. Now I know it's only 3 games and it's only one series, but listen, when you've been beaten consistently by St. Louis for the last 10 years, yeah, it's a tone setter. And Nick Castellanos with his with his Hulk Hogan flex and, you know, him and his post-game press conference. You got Dan Hoare comparing him to Ray Lewis on extra innings on 700 WLW. I mean, listen, this is this team, and obviously they've they struggled on the West Coast. When have they yeah. not struggled on the West Coast? We'll get to that in a minute. But at least... And if people are frustrated, it's because they care. The Reds have the city's attention. So it's maybe it's a good thing that people are frustrated after today's game and the, the way they played out in Arizona and San Francisco. But I, I tell you what, Preston, the fact that the Reds are off to this start where at least they're not going to be, you know, pedaling uphill the entire season. They're 7-5. and five, Maybe should be nine and three, ten and two, but seven and five is a good place to start. We're sitting here two weeks ago, today, two weeks ago today actually, and we said this team has to get off to a good start. Are you going to take? Are you taking seven and five? Absolutely, I'm taking seven and five. And here's where we're sitting here, and I think we're honestly kind of talking a little bit disappointed right now because we were sitting at six and one. We got that first win against Arizona. Um, and I, now I feel like you said it right before we came on the show. We'd be feeling a lot better today if we would have won. So we're sitting seven and five. We got to win over the Cardinals. We got to sweep over the Pirates, which we almost said at the beginning of the season. We almost we almost expected that, but even to do it is great. So, and we mentioned that this is not a thing, something that happens with the Reds all the time, where you know you mentioned a few years ago. Um, kind of had a bad start to the season, was pedaling uphill the rest of the way. So we are at a point right now where we are already, we, it's very early, it's a very long season, but we have got a foothold. We are right there. I think we're where we need to be just to continue to go uphill. If you run the division, if you, if you beat the Cardinals, if you sweep the Pirates, if you can take the Brewers, you can take the um, Cubs, we, there's no problem. I feel like we have no problem. And I, that's why I feel confident because you take out a very cold day on opening day. The Reds, they, they kind of, they, they did the Cardinals dirty there in a few games, ran through the Pirates. Oh, breezed. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking. Don't let the first, don't let the first game fool you. The Pirates exactly. aren't very, the Pirates aren't very good. Then again, they did beat the Padres last night. They did. They did. So. That's why I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, you, you mentioned it when the Reds go out west or any team. It's tough to go out west and play six straight days. We'll dive into those those two series a little more later. But yeah. 
I'm fine with seven and five. Am I happy? Eh, but I'm fine with it. At least you are engaged with the team. Yeah. Intrigued. I mean, heck, we're talking about going to the game Friday night against the Indians, which is the battle for the Ohio Cup. Heck, I mean, I wish... See, here's the thing. I was going to use my COVID vaccination card on Friday to get a $10 view-level ticket. Well, then, a radio advertisement that, that airs on 700 during the games, it says, offer valid, only available Monday through Thursday in April and May. Well, what good is that then? I mean, seriously. I mean, you could get $10 view-level tickets for a weekend game. Uh, I mean, I mean, well, I guess, I guess they they say they think okay, more people would come on the weekends, but obviously we can't have too many people in the ballpark currently. Which, by the way, um, I've been to two games so far. It feels normal being at the ballpark with fans, and obviously it's not a sold out crowd. It's not an unlimited capacity can show up. There's a limit, and yet I feel like it's a normal. Monday night or Wednesday afternoon bowl game. They're, the fans are there. You know, they're they're clapping when, you know, they say, everybody clap your hands, which I used to get a little bit irked when they did that. Like, oh, come on, I'm trying to watch a baseball game here. Oh, no. You go one year without going to a baseball game, you appreciate that more. The smell of the kettle corn, oh, my gosh. You know, going up to the Budweiser deck and checking that out and just to be able to sit in my, my seat and eat hot dogs. And oh, it, it just feels normal to be able to, to smell the fresh air at a baseball game, look out at the river, Kentucky, and the bridges. Oh, let me tell you, Preston, the start to the season has been fun. And yes, we mentioned the last two road series. Here's the thing. This was mentioned um, this morning on the pregame show on Bally Sports Ohio by Sam LeCure before the game today. Which, by the way, the Reds lose today three to nothing to the Giants. So they lose two out of three in San Francisco. Sam LeCure said this. The Reds go from spring training in Arizona to Cincinnati for the first two series, back to Arizona, and then to San Francisco. That has to be a little bit of travel fatigue. And I don't think we factored that in. I completely agree. I completely agree. And then to come home and have the backing of your fans having that that juvenation of there's there's people in the stands we're at home we're playing then you got to go all the way back i mean i feel like that's just got to be a toll not even just moving around but going where you're at home you're in front of your home fans going all the way back it has to just kind of be a little bit of a tool so i completely yeah. agree. we never really factored that in you're right no, i don't think we did either and that's the th- and there is another west coast road trip this month i mean here and i'm thinking about it now like our next two road trips at st louis at the dodgers that's a gauntlet right there uh then we go in may we go cleveland pittsburgh colorado then we kind of get a little bit of relax we go to san diego in june but I mean, that's just like a, and then you go to Minnesota, I think, which that's, it's Milwaukee, San Diego, Minnesota, which, I mean, yeah, that's, that's going to be a, a grueling road trip, but it, you're in, you know, full swing at that point. But I'm thinking about other teams that have made early season road trips. The Angels are, you know, at playing the Blue Jays and the, at the Blue Jays spring training site in Florida. The Mariners, I believe, they were at Baltimore last night. So it's the Reds, the Reds are not the only team in this position. Um, 
so then so then again you can't maybe make that excuse but at the same time it if it is a reason i think you have to pose that and here's the thing we talk about you know losing two out of three of the diamondbacks wasn't good where i'm not gonna sugarcoat it but the giant the losses of the giants are not terrible the Reds were in the game the entire way last night. Yeah. Now let's go. Let's go to. Let's go to something more in particular. Luis Castillo. Yep. Are you concerned about it? I do not. I'm not ready to pull that card yet. I'm not ready to say I'm concerned about him yet. Am I? Do I? Am I going to take a step back and say, "Whoa, this doesn't seem right"? Maybe, but I'm not concerned. He had a bad start. We did say cold weather, first day. Bad start. Okay. How did his second start go? I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. Seven Which innings. Seven innings. Shut out. Yep. Five strikeouts. 81 pitches. One of the most efficient outings I've seen from Luis Castillo. Well, perfect. There it is. I mean, I didn't even. I even said on my. I even said on my SoundCloud recording the night after opening day he was going to pitch six or seven shutout innings against the Pirates. Yep. And that's and that's what he did. And um, that 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 is a great. Obviously, it is the Pirates. We mentioned that a little bit. That's a great outing. And then the other night, and we talked about this a little bit. We were watching this game, texting about it. But as far as Luis Castillo goes, he is our ace. We don't have Trevor Bauer here anymore. He's the guy. And it is early. It's only his third start of the season. But we can't be having him have these kind of starts. And it is early. I'm not scared. I'm not concerned about him. But that start was a little bit... Little, something that I did not really like to see. We'll say it's that. not something you like to see, but I will say this to you. The only part of the start I didn't like seeing was the first inning. Do you realize, and I have the scorecard from yesterday's games. This is why it's important to keep score for baseball games, folks. We go to yesterday's game. Let me pull up this courtesy of my Bob Carpenter scorebook. Luis Castillo. Four runs on four hits in the first inning. Seven of the next ten batters he faced struck out. Castillo did not allow another run through four innings and only allowed three more hits. I think what he showed, because sometimes Luis Castillo will have those outings where he gets roughed up early and he never recovers. Remember opening day, six runs in the first inning. And it got worse from there. Last night, he got better. He mm-hmm. left in line for the win. So you can you can you know you can take a step back and say, okay, this is not what we're used to seeing. I don't like what I'm seeing. But at the same time, I was happy with the resiliency and the response that he showed yesterday. And I was thinking about this. I, I thought about this comparison when I was driving earlier today. Is Luis Castillo someone that has to have everything, the conditions around him be so perfect? in order for him to be successful because it reminds me a lot of Andy Dalton when he was the quarterback here for the Bengals because Andy Dalton had talent and when he was on he was a really good quarterback but when he had his what a receiver out or the weather wasn't good or he was pitching under the lights or on national television he just wasn't his he just wasn't him Castillo last night for one inning wasn't him does it? Do you feel like Castillo is someone that has to have everything around him be so perfect in order for him to be successful? 
I mean, he might be one of those guys that really needs to be kind of in his element. And you did kind of talk about that last night in the first inning. He gave up a lot. And then he kind of got into his element a little bit. I remember even, even watching the game, the announcers were talking about that. He's really starting to find his groove. And I think he might have, Steve might have even gone farther in the game if it wasn't for pitch count. He might have gone even deeper. But he was at 98th in five yeah, innings. Good point he to bring ended up, there. up getting kind of high. And I think that's kind of why he came out. He might have gone deeper. So he is one of those guys. And why I'm not concerned about him, why I said that I'm not concerned about him, is because we know what Luis Castillo has. We know what he can do. If he's in his element, if he's really kind of doing what he can do, he's an all-star. He's a great pitcher. He is an ace. When he kind of gets out of his element, that's when maybe some things go wrong, but it is early. I think that he'll be able to really get into his groove. And to answer your question, I mean, personally, I don't really even know. I mean, he went, he went a year without a crowd, playing baseball without a crowd. And for a pitcher... I feel like that's kind of tough to get into, you know, having a crowd again of any sorts. So maybe that has a little bit to do with it, kind of trying to get into a, a little bit of a groove. And again, you bring that up, and that is a that is a good point, and maybe that is the case for some pitchers besides Castillo. But I look at Trevor Bauer, which, by the way, have you seen what he's done so far this season? 3-0, and uh, double-digit strikeouts in his first two games, nine strikeouts last night. He's been tearing it up. I mean, if the, if the Cy Young Award was to be given out right now, we'd go to Trevor Bauer. Uh, with the Dodgers, he, he's been lighting it up. And good gosh, if the Reds have to face him in two weeks out in uh, sunny SoCal. So that's Luis Castillo. Sonny Gray does return Saturday, according to C-Trend Rosecrans, reported earlier today that Sonny Gray will start on Saturday against the Cleveland Indians. His first start of the season returning from mid-back spasms suffered in spring training. That has to give you a glimmer of hope. And considering another development through the first 12 games of the season, Preston, is this. Jeff Hoffman won his first start. Jose De Leon uh, has pitched reasonably well in his first two starts. Wade Miley is 2-0 and has yet to allow a run. And he's the number five starter. Yeah, and that's something we mentioned in our uh, pilot episode as we talked about what can this starting crew do? Can somebody step up, be that third guy? And we're seeing three of them really step up so far. We're seeing some really good starting outings. And, I mean, you mentioned Wade Miley. He was, he's been really exciting. Um, I mean, just, just the whole starting rotation has been very good. I mean, Luis Castillo's maybe even been the downside of that starting rotation, and that does not scare me. This starting rotation has really impressed me throughout these first 12 games. It's been impressive. There hasn't been, outside of Castillo's start on opening day, a really bad outing by any red starting pitcher, if you, come, if you think about it. Let's go to the bullpen here a little bit. Uh, the first five games of the season, they were phenomenal. The reason why the Reds had a chance on opening day was because the bullpen, contrary to what you might think about opening day, uh, excuse me, two hits were given up by the bullpen in five and uh, two-thirds innings. Two hits? Two! I mean, the reason why the Reds had a chance is, again, because... Guys like Sal Romano, guys like Carson Fulmer, guys like Cam Bedro uh, Sean Doolittle, they gave the Reds an opportunity to get themselves back into the game, which they partially did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lately, though, it's been a little bit of a struggle. Amir Garrett gave up a grand slam. Eh, he did retire the next three batters. I will give him that. Against Arizona, 
A little dicey there in the first game. Game two. We, we won't even talk about that. Third game. We won't talk about that. Was TJ Antone has been sensational so far. Really good Monday night. Three and two-thirds shutout innings. Last night, the bullpen pitched three innings, three runs. Not good. Today, only one run in three innings. You know, Preston, coming into the season, I viewed the bullpen as a question mark. I think you did too. Definitely, yeah. Through 12 games, are you... Has the has the bullpen what they've done? Has has it made you feel more confident or still a little weary? When I think about the bullpen, I'm probably when I was where I was 12 games ago. I'm probably pretty neutral at this point, if not maybe a little more confident. I'm a little more confident. I think that we got guys in that bullpen that can come out and can take the game. As far as they need it, I think that they can. We have a we have a solid bullpen that can do good things, but we mentioned last night, nights like last night, gets a little bit, little bit iffy, gets a little bit dicey. The wind was blowing out though yes, last night. Yes. So to answer your question, I and I don't know. I, I want to know how you think on this too, but I'm about the same, maybe a little bit more confident with some of the guys that we do have in that bullpen. I think there is a I think there is a lot of talent and you have a lot of talented pitchers that can come in and get outs, particularly strikeouts. I mean, I'll tell you one guy who I've who I've really liked so far is Sal Romano. You know, kind of someone who's been um, what's the phrase I'm looking for, kind of lost in the shuffle, so to speak, with all the newcomers that we've had over the years. But Sal Romano has been really good. He's come on, whether it be, you know, when the team, when, when the Reds are trailing by a lot of runs or up by a lot of runs, he's had some struggles. The home run, the Nolan Arenado, I'm not going to really hold him too much for that. It's Nolan Arenado. He's one of the best hitters in the National League and Major League Baseball. But outside of that, um, you want to talk about the games that he's had. He came in on opening day, two innings, shutout baseball, two strikeouts. Uh, second game, yeah, he allowed that two-run home run. Third game, one and two-thirds, shutout baseball. Uh, game four, he did not pitch in that game against the Pirates opening game. Game five against uh, the Pirates. Two innings, uh, did allow a run. That's it, only two hits. Did not pitch in the third game against the Pirates. Uh, did not pitch in the first game against the Diamondbacks. Did pitch in the second game against the D-backs. Two innings, two strikeouts, did allow a hit and a run. Okay. Uh, third game, he did not pitch in that game. I did not do the scorecard for Monday night because I had vaccine side effects. That's another story. Uh, did not pitch last night. Did pitch today. Two innings. Did allow a run. That was because Jonathan India couldn't catch a pop-up. Uh, should have been an error. Should not be an earned run. Uh, struck out one. So what you're seeing is I mean, there is some up and downs, but I think to me there's a, there's a lot of upside here. He can come in and strike out batters. This bullpen has some strikeout artists. Um, Amir Garrett has been a little bit wild. I mean, his first appearance of the season, the first game against the Pirates, I mean, the tying run was on first base. Now, it's your first appearance of the season. Okay. You know, he still got the save. Job done. I, my, my, a phrase I live by now is, as long as the ends justify, justify the means, yep. that, that's it. That's it. 
You go to the third game, he gives up the Grand Slam. You're up 11-0. You can't really worry about it. The Reds are 5-1. It's a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Now, I'm gonna get, we're going to go back to that here later on in the show. Um, but again, there are a lot of guys in this bullpen. I mean, look at how many guys we've used. Guys from all the way from Amir Garrett to uh, CNL Perez who was acquired in a trade with the Astros in the offseason in the winter. I mean, we've used so many different relievers that, you know, you can afford one or two to be up and down as long as you have some really good guys that at any point in the ballgame you can bring in, excuse me, even Carson Fulmer, who's been a journeyman in the major leagues. He's had some nice outings. So I, I, I'm still... Maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm at a 5.3. If that's anyone's ever said that before in the history of mankind. <laughs> but I am still hopeful for this bullpen. Again, get them back in Great American Ballpark. Yep. We'll see what happens. This this was the first road trip of the season. This is how long a baseball season is. See, this is what a 60-game season maybe does to you. You forget how long a baseball season is. And because the Reds have, you know, they were they made the playoffs last year, but also because they've gotten off to such rough starts, you get so worked up about that that you can't even focus on, oh, you know what? The Reds are actually doing all right this year so far. Seven and five. The Indians, who they play this week, they don't have a great lineup. Guess who does have a great lineup? The Reds. I think we should talk about that. Yeah. And that, that was going to be kind of my next point. We we're talking about the relievers a little bit. What you can always fall back on a little bit with this relieving court, this pitching. And we were watching it the other night. And I'm, I believe we were talking going into the sixth inning is that we said, you know, there in the eighth uh, last night, we went through two, three, four, and five. And then going into the ninth inning, a lot of lineups would be like, we got we to gotta get something here. With the Reds, you're going into what? Sinzel, India, Barnhart. Anybody else that may be in there, you got a lineup that's pretty full. I mean, this is an absolute killer of a lineup. How good has Jonathan India been so far? Very good, and that's somebody that we talked about. And that that is a that was a question mark coming into the season. I know he's playing second base, but it, it had to do with a little bit of scattering of the infield. That was a question, the shortstop, and he really filled the role now as a second base. But he came up; he's been very good. Oh, very good. He has been, I mean, he had the most hits with runners in scoring position through a team's first five games in the history of the Major League Baseball. I mean, we're sitting here two weeks. If I would have told you two weeks ago, Preston, that Jonathan India would have the start to the season that he's had, you would have said. That's incredible, and I'm blown away. But would you believe that he was actually going to do what he's actually done? No. Okay, there you go. You look at some of the games he's had. I mean, the. The moment you saw him on opening day, you you knew the Reds had found a second baseman. Yep. And they've struggled to find a second baseman ever since Brandon Phillips had left. Yep. Hence, I'm wearing his shirt. I knew I was doing something right wearing this shirt today. Okay. I, I, do, I do love me some Brandon Phillips, by the way. Uh, Jonathan India. <clears throat> Two for four on opening day. 
Uh, breaking news, by the way, according to ESPN, that the Bearcats men's basketball is hiring UNC Greensboro's Wes Miller as new men's basketball head coach. So a uh, memo to Sean McMahon upstairs to put that as topic eight tonight on Inside the 275 <laughs> Loop. Um, that's what we're doing tonight after this. So, oh, that page got bent. Uh, two for four for Jonathan Indiana opening day. Second game, two for three, RBI. Just keeps getting... Where's the RBI? Well, uh, just keeps getting better, better, better. Yep. And not only that, look at some of the plays he's made in the field. The diving stops, the speed that he has, the range. The and by the way, he does have the best hair on the team. Yeah. I mean, who 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 comes close? I don't, I don't really think anybody can come close. That's that's those are locks. Well, when your hair is long, I mean, you might. <laughs> I mean, yours might come close. But seriously, Jonathan, I mean, to watch the cap fly off, I mean, it's like watching Willie Mays. It, it really is. And, I mean, you look at some of the other games he's had. He went one for four in the third game against the Cardinals. One for four against the Pirates with a hit. Uh, that was a big-time RBI hit. I don't know why. I made some errors marking down the scorecard. He went three for four with four RBIs and three runs scored in the, th- in the second game against the Pirates when the Reds won 14-1. to one. And then again, when... Uh, one for two with three RBIs in game three against the Pirates. He just keeps getting better and better and better. And he, I think we have to remind ourselves he's still a rookie. Yeah. Yeah, I think we absolutely do. I mean, I think that he fills out this lineup very spectacularly. When you go from spot one to eight, no matter who's in there, the normal starters, I mean, and then we got guys like Naquin, Aquino. We got some really exciting players. If you look at this team, I think this might be one of the most exciting teams in baseball. If they pan out to be one of the best, let's hope so. They might not be. They might be. But as far as excitement goes, if you want to watch a baseball game and you want to be excited while watching a baseball game, if you want to see the ball fly around, my suggestion for you is watch the Cincinnati Reds because they're going to put the ball in play. They're going to score some runs, and the games are just going to be exciting. This is a very dangerous lineup. At any point, those are great points to bring up there because that's why this—that's what made these two series so frustrating. They couldn't get the ball yeah. through the infield. How many times in the first six games, Preston, did we see, whether it be Jonathan India or Nick Senzel yep. or whoever it was, Naquin, whoever it was, smoke the ball through the infield yep. for hits? It wasn't just the home runs; it was. The doubles, the triples on some points. The two-run singles, RBI singles. Get this guy over first to third on a single. That's what this team needs. We can talk about as many guys as you want tonight in the Reds lineup. Every one of these hitters, they're dynamic hitters. They have talent. Nick Senzel has had a great start to the season. You may not have noticed. I mean, he it took him a while to get that first run back in, that first hit. But, man, when he's on base, he's a game-changer. Did you know that he was as fast as he is? I sure as hell didn't. No. And, yeah, I mean, when you look at it, we talk about putting the ball in play, getting it past the infield. This team has guys, Castiano, Votto, Moose, that will put the ball, that can at any point, even if you want to toss in Aquino, can put the ball over the fence at any point. But I think what makes this lineup very special, what has in the first 12 games – especially in the first half of those 12 games, is 
that they're all, this team is, is, is a hit-making team. This team gets hits. They don't just, they're not just power. They get, they get on base, they move base runners, and I think that's really been what's been the driving force of this team so far. Even though they haven't gotten as many hits as you would have liked in the previous four games, go back to the second Arizona game. They only scored three runs. They had 12 hits. I mean, th- th- this lineup, th- listen, you're going to go into slumps I- during the season. We don't know who this team is just yet, even though we're 12 games in. I'll probably say that. I'm going to say it after 18 games, which is when I said I'm going to start checking the standings and stats. Because that's when you've had enough playing time to know, okay, I think I know what we have here. But even then, I'm going to say, we're going to find out a lot about this team when they go to St. Louis and Los Angeles. Yep. I'll probably say when they go on their 10-game road trip in mid-May, which I'll be at one of those series in Denver. I'm going to keep saying it. You'll know the identity of this team by Memorial Day. If they're two games over 500, then they have a shot. If they're (laughs) four games over 500, oh yeah. This team, we don't know yet who they are. There's still so much baseball left to be played. But I think you have to like what we've seen through the first 12 games of the season. This team isn't fully for- this team isn't fully formed yet. They could come back here this weekend and tear the cover off the baseball. Now they are facing some pretty dom- pretty good Indians pitchers. Shane Bieber, who may be the best pitcher in the American League, is starting on Sunday afternoon. Again, we don't know who this team is yet. We we've seen some things we like. We've seen some things we know. But the points you made, they're exciting to watch. Because they have dynamic to them, they have personality, and they have talent. Oh, yeah. And in this season, when we're just kind of getting back into it, when fans are not only hungry because it's the Reds, and just hungry because in general we're getting back to the stadium, we're getting back to baseball, this might be the best season to have a very exciting team. And the Reds are doing that better than almost anybody. Yeah. And, I, I mean, going into last night, the Reds were, had one of the best records in Major League Baseball. Behind some very good teams. Mm-hmm. Dodgers, Padres, and the Angels. Okay. The Cardinals lost today, too, by the way. And think about this. The NL Central has been beating each other up the entire season. We be, we, we are 5-1 and one in the division. Yep. The Cardinals... You know, lose a couple games to the Brewers. The Brewers, I think, took two out of three from the Cubs. The Cubs... Did they play the Brewers last week? I believe they did, and they won. The Pirates... They beat the Cubs last week. One time, at least. So, you're freaking out because we lose two series in Arizona and San Francisco. Hey, San Francisco's 8-4. and four. Uh... And they, st- and they have some talent in that lineup. Why are we worried? We're not 3-9. and nine. We're not 2-10. and ten. The Reds have won the division when they've been 4-8. and eight. They're 7-5. and five. They have not been under 500 since Gonzaga was still undefeated. I was going to work some college basketball in there. That is true. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was such a hot, hot start to the season that don't 
kind of get down from this bad taste in your mouth because of a West Coast trip. Now it might have been a little bit of you a downer. You only see those teams lose. twice a season. Exactly. It's it's fine. The Reds are fine. They're a very good team. They kind of had a couple unfortunate things happen. Ended up kind of losing a couple series out west. That's fine. That is fine. It's early, and you did mention five and one in the division. That is that is exciting. Because seventy six games is the number that you play within your own division. Here's the thing. I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, yes, they lost. The, 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 the challenge, though, is can you respond? You know what? Here's a great, here's a great challenge ahead for the Reds. They play Arizona again Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week. I have tickets to two of those games. I might go to, to a third game just because. Because, you know, you show your COVID-19 vaccination card, they give you a $10 view level ticket. And I already have tickets bought to two of those games. Castillo pitches on Tuesday, by the way. Yeah. So, again, we've seen a lot through 12 games. It's kind of all over the place. Now you just got to form the identity. If the, Red, if the Reds, Preston, win four of their next six games, they're 11-7. and seven. Would you take 11-7 and seven going to St. Louis and Los Angeles? Yeah, I would take 11-7, absolutely. And I think that's that might have even been a record that we threw out at the beginning of the season. I know we talked yeah. about this first month. I think 11-7 and seven was almost a record where we said that would be great going out there and playing a gauntlet of St. Louis and L.A. And that, if you can go be there at 11-7, and seven, then you're sitting with a favorable record, and you're really going to find yourself as a baseball team. In those six games, those are two great teams. You're going to find out who you really might be when you play the, at St. Louis and at Los Angeles. Oh, absolutely. I mean, considering the, the, the pitchers you're going to face, the batters you're going to face. Now, Castillo isn't going to start a game against the Dodgers. He'll start the third game against St. Louis, which is the Sunday afternoon game. So we're gonna we're gonna find out a lot about this team, and even then, we may not know the full identity of this yeah. team. They still haven't faced the Cubs. They don't face the Brewers until mid-May, late May actually. Hmm. So yeah, you're cons- if you're freaking out because we lose two series to the Diamondbacks and the Giants, why? Well, because the Diamondbacks aren't very good. They're without their best hitter. Teams can be better than you think. Eduardo Escobar, their second baseman, had a great series against us. Okay, didn't expect that. Now you know he's good. They come here next week. If we sweep them, are you going to freak out then? I sure as hell hope you don't. I mean, seriously, Preston, what if we take two out of three from the Indians and sweep the Diamondbacks? We're 12-6. and six. Yeah. Then we can lose all six games in, L- in St. Louis and L.A. and we'll still be 500. Yep. It's been a very exciting start to the season. It's going to continue to be exciting no matter what happens. We got the Ohio, the Battle of Ohio coming up here. We got the Diamondbacks coming back. And then as we talked about that, a very exciting West Coast trip. No matter what, it's going to be exciting. And we're going to be here for it. We're, we're loving what we're seeing so far. Yes, we are. And uh, we'll be back here on Sunday, right? For Absolutely, our, yep. On, uh, we were going to do one this Sunday, but uh, I, I, I was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was a little out of it. It happens. It happens, right? You know what, though? I'm not, I'm not protected against the virus, so it was good for the community. And you know what? It went smoothly. Shout out to um, UC Health for really doing a good, a nice job with the smooth operations, 
I was in and out of Fifth Third Arena in 20 minutes. Really? It was unbelievable. And before you know it, I was eating my Chinese food, which may or may not have been a good decision. <laughs> Watching the Masters. There we go. There we go. The Masters. Great tournament this weekend. It was. Anyways, we are. thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's been a very exciting season so far, the start of the season for the Reds, and we hope that continues. Um, this is Reds Eye Alert. I am Preston Stowe with my co-host, Alex Frank. We're getting the Reds back in Cincinnati. We couldn't be happier. Have a great day. I don't know if that's a red-eye flight back to Cincinnati, but uh, they are, they're, they're coming back to the natty because this is Reds country, Preston. Oh, yeah. You see this towel right here? There we go. We love to see it. It's going to be a great season. Welcome back, Cincinnati fans. It's been two whole weeks since before opening day, which was April 1st. Last we were on, it was March. March 31st. Gonzaga was still undefeated. Gonzaga was still undefeated. I don't even think the Final Four... Well, the Final Four was decided, but... Yeah. The National Championship was not. Either way, there, it's been a couple exciting weeks, really. The Reds got off to a great start. For a little bit of time, they were the best team in baseball, but it's the beginning of the season, and, you know, I mean, I was on the hype train, there's no doubt about that, but, you know, they're hitting a bit of a bump in the road, two, two straight road series out at Arizona, and now at San Francisco, and losing both those series, one to two, uh, yeah. uh, they win the first game and then lose out the last <coughs> two, um, both in, all four losses kind of coming in ugly fashion, really. Now they they only lost by one run last night, but you're right. You you lose eight three and then seven nothing at Arizona, and then you get shut out today. Only one hit beyond the fourth inning. It wasn't it wasn't a great road trip. I'm not <clears throat> too worried yet. It's a long season. No, I mean it's 160. The challenge season. is now how you respond from this. Correct. Yeah, you're playing Cleveland, which is always a tough series, tough matchup. Battle oh, for interstate, the yeah, yeah, interstate rivalry. But you get Arizona again next week at home. I would think you would at least win two out of three there. You'd love to bring Arizona back here and, and whoop their sorry butts. Yeah, just like you did to the Pirates. But Sean, we have. Breaking news. We got breaking news, everybody. If you haven't seen it by now, you're probably living under a rock.
uh, post here that I had pulled up. So this is uh, on Cincinnati Men's Hoops Twitter. So he was the number one, he was ESPN number one coach under 40. He was named that last year. By the way, he is an incredibly young coach. He's only 38 years old and he's taking over this program. Uh, Mick Cronin might have been maybe the, uh, around that age when he Cronin, took over. Cronin was, I, I think you're right. He was probably in around his late 30s. So a young coach, you know, in the uh, on the rise, number one coach under 40 by ESPN last year. Um, he has over the last five seasons, he has five straight 20 win seasons. That's I mean, you're winning over 66 percent of your games. That's pretty good. Um, well, in the regular season, at least. Uh, two tournament appearances, two conference tournament championships, and 125 wins, which is good for top 10 in the Division One wins since 2016. Think about the other programs that are probably in that list of top 10 wins since 2016. I'd say Gonzaga, uh, probably North Carolina, Duke. Kentucky, Kentucky Kansas, Kansas. Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah. I mean, I, really, the Texas Blue Tech. Bloods, not many schools can really say that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if... Cincinnati would be on that list. He'd be pretty close. They'd be close. They'd be really close. They'd either be just inside or just outside, if I had to guess. Yeah, Houston might be in there. Houston, maybe. I, I know that Cincinnati in the last 15 years was, was one of the top 10 programs in terms of wins, which is a huge accomplishment. So I guess over the last five years, I mean, I don't know, because you really didn't have too much of a down year. Yeah, really, it was the 2020 season that was a bit, that was a huge down year. Even under John Brandon's first year, he got 20 wins. So maybe Cincinnati's just barely in that top 10, or maybe they're not. The deep one's pretty large. It's over 300 teams. So it's entirely possible they're not, but I would imagine they're either just inside or just outside. But either way, so far, I mean, he's, he's a young coach, and in the last five seasons, he's been pretty consistent, doing pretty well. I mean, two conference tournament championships in five years, two tournament appearances. Now, they were both first-round exits. One against Gonzaga in the 2017-18 uh, tournament, and then just this past year to Florida State, um, all of which they were four seed. They were both four seed teams uh, that they lost to, um, but nonetheless, I mean, this. From what I'm seeing, Alex, I've never heard of this guy, um, but from what I'm seeing on social media, I'm seeing a mix of reactions. People are like, "Who is this guy? Like, why didn't we hire Eric Martin?" Because you know, Cincinnati fans, we love to hire what we're familiar with. Uh, with Eric, you know, Eric Martin wanted to be a head coach in the state of Ohio, and all these things were lining up that made it look like Eric Miller, <coughs> bless you, thank you, was going to be the next head coach. You know, he got interviewed twice. He's been an assistant under Huggins for so long. He played under Huggins. There were all these things that just made sense, but decided to go a different route. And, and maybe it's a good idea to do to, to go a different route. Do I maybe feel bad that Eric for Eric Martin that he's not our head coach? A little bit, because I think he would have loved to have had this job, and I think fans would have just fallen in love with him. Uh, but this, from what I'm seeing, is is a good hire. A lot of people think this is a great hire, including, uh, um, I think it's like UNC coverage, a, a, a really popular North Carolina basketball fan page on Instagram said it's a great hire. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I mean... Again, he, he played under Roy Williams at North Carolina. He knows what it's like to win. And he's, yeah. a, he's a very, very young coach. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, his first few seasons are probably not that great. I mean, you have to think about the situation he's coming into. You know, we, have, we don't even have a team right now that we can field with scholarship players. He has to build a team from, you know, he has, now he has to get commits. He has to get transfers. I mean, he has to build a team basically from scratch. 
you know, because he's only working with David Julius and Jeremiah Davenport and Micah Adams-Woods. Which that's are good starting he, pieces. Yes, they are. But that's all he has. That's yeah. literally all he has right now. It is all he has. But, Sean, I think what has me sold is the fact that he played college basketball. Forget that he was a walk-on. He was a walk-on in North Carolina. He played okay. under a successful coach. He was a part of a national championship team that had uber an uberly. T- I-, I can tell you who was on that North Carolina team: Rashad McCants, Marvin Williams, Sean May. Good God, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, they had ninety-six percent of that team scoring-wise went on to the NBA draft. Marvin Williams had a long career. He played on a very, very successful North Carolina basketball team. Yeah, and I think hopefully that translates to some kind of success And here. when Roy Williams gives praise for this hire... Did he? Yes. Where did that come uh, from? It might be included... Everything, here it is. Everything, here it is. Is, everything is still fresh. Here it is. Okay, listen to this. So, Miller's collegiate head coach and mentor, Roy Williams, listen to this, and quote, Wes Miller is one of the most outstanding young coaches in our game, and what he did at UNC Greensboro makes me believe he is the most outstanding. As a player in North Carolina, he came closer to reaching his full potential than any player I've ever coached. His energy, Hmm. his determination, his intelligence, and his care for young people convinces me that he will continue at that level. I am so happy for him. Wow. Wow, how about that? When you have the fourth all-time winningest coach in the history of college basketball saying that, listen, this is this is a good hire. I can get behind this. I'm not getting my hopes up yet because I, mm. I did that with Brandon. You d- yeah, that's fair. Here's the thing. This hire is so distant from anything we've known with Cincinnati It's basketball. completely unfamiliar. Exactly, with the last 30 years. And people can say, well, what about Eric Martin? Why, I thought we were going to get him. Well... I think you and I both thought we were going to get Eric Martin. Oh, I was convinced. It Here's was the him. thing: this is this is actually a smart move by John Cunningham. I think I agree. He's, you know, as, as much we, as I kind of hate to admit that we, well, because you know we didn't handle the John Brandon situation. now we're having doing all right i'm doing Back up here.
We might have merged here, but hopefully it. Sure, what's going? On. Just uh, unplug.